Welcome everybody to our podcast and this one's going to be very interesting because this month we've looked at a couple of shows from groups that would perhaps be positioned as traditional arts groups and my guest today is Sufri Jawahi who is going to discuss with me two works. The first one is Tumasek by Era Dance Theatre and the second one is called Pulsating Resonance presented by Dance Ensemble Singapore which is known as the Chinese Dance Group. So we'll just start with Sufri Papas, you can tell us a bit about yourself and what you're going to contribute to this podcast. All right, thank you Stephanie for having me here. Uh, my name is Sufri and I'm an independent artist. I have my own collective right now called Soul Signature with my partner Shaden Newman and previously I was a former dancer with Maya Dance Theatre for about seven, eight years and I'm actually very happy to be sharing with you my insights on both of the performances that we have seen. Okay, yeah. so the first one, let's start with Tumasek, which was a real epic. It was a dance drama in the extreme with a, a narrative going back to look at Singapore in the 13th century, the traditional kingdoms of the time coming from Malaysia and how um, the story unfolded to the some of the present-day influences. So the timing of that was very particular. Can you tell us a bit about yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's... Um uh, the company is taking its executive decision to actually make Tomasi, which is very closely with National Day. I think it's like maybe one or two weeks before. And with the whole narration of the whole story, I think the audience are able to understand what the whole story of Singapore is about through the uh, artistic direction of Mr. Osman Hamid. And I was there and I enjoyed the whole aesthetic uh, feel of it. And I'm just wondering like how much of the contemporary aspect of the piece that can actually be explored further. That's my... Um, yeah, I there. agree with you actually because I found that they had such a massive narrative to deal with and it was incredible the number of performers that were on stage, the number of young people in the orchestra. I thought the music was amazing, one of the most exciting parts with a choir plus many traditional instruments working together. And the dancers from the company, but also involving some student groups as well. So the sheer numbers of people hanging around the theatre was amazing to deal with, mm. but the core of it was the narrative with the actors and the story progressing forward. But as the story progressed, we had little dance numbers coming in and out, which to me um, I thought could have worked, been interwoven in a more creative way. Yep. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think when um, a company that is taking a stand on making the show more narrative, I think they are following a timeline where after this section, they are moving on to the next topic. Whereas I think in my perspective, uh, in contemporary dance where choreographers can actually explore on a one particular idea and that can actually be, be made into a full-length work. But I think right now we are being guided throughout the whole two hours of being narrative. So I think that's how it can be relevant to the audience, which is probably not coming from a modern contemporary background. But I think for the other audience like myself, who is coming from a modern contemporary training, that's when I feel, okay, maybe there's one particular point where you can actually highlight an idea and you can actually expand on that. And I think I can bring uh, to one one of the scenes where the dancers are actually moving from stage left to stage right. And I, I like that idea because it is very simple, yet there's a lot of thought 
in that whole five minutes. And I was like, okay, I think this is going somewhere. But it didn't propel to another level, I thought. Maybe, like again, like I said, maybe it's because of the timeline of the whole production. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think these narrative dance dramas, as it was actually called, not even a dance theatre work, a dance drama, because the emphasis was very much on the actors progressing the plot. And I don't necessarily mean they're all speaking. There was text. Yep which was um, had subtitles, but yes. um, just this linear narrative that seemed to get very bogged down. But it was very clear they had something to say, that they wanted to make this story and make the audience understand the story. So perhaps mm. that was the way they obviously chose to do it. And it brings up a point about um, who the audience is and, and what are we trying to do with the audience? Are we there to educate them to this point where every fact has to be in the story? Are we there to entertain them? And many of the dance pieces that came in and out seemed to be that pure spectacle mm. entertainment in that they didn't really progress the plot. They were just, let's have a dance piece now. Yeah. But I thought one sensational moment was when Osman came on himself mm. and did a tiny little piece at the side of the stage, which was so abstracted and so beautiful. And I thought, oh, yes, we need more of this sort of thing. Yes. So let's mm. get back to what you think the company is trying to do. What's the intention of Era Dance Theatre? Um, Era Dance Theatre has been around for, I think, about 20 years. And I think they have already had their own pool of audience where they are coming in, they are watching a, a Malay dance showcase. And I think to the point where when Mr. Osman came out, I think it can be relevant to the older generation where they see, okay, he is the founder of Era Dance Theatre. He's coming out. He's contributing to the whole piece. But in terms of the whole production itself, in my opinion, I'm not really sure whether if the transition from that to the next piece is a right one. I'm not sure. But it's just the idea of him bringing in the community together and just appreciating what Era Dance Company's vision and the whole performance is about. So. Yes, I think this is a very interesting point. And you find that one of the main differences between, we'd say, generally Eastern and Western dance is the focus on community. And uh, a lot of the purpose of traditional dance is to reinforce community and ideas and things that people know mm -hmm. rather than pushing boundaries and expectations. And yeah. there was one point in this piece where there was two little sections of improvisation which totally lost me because yeah. apparently they were improvised, there was no subtitles, yes. but the audience was just laughing so much and I really felt I was totally <laughs> missing out on the joke. So what was this about? Well, I think it's the three comedians who are actually quite uh, famous in the scene. They're actually making a comedic interpretation of the scene in the castle or in the palace. So they were just talking, just making fun of how the dance should be about, how Malay dance is, like the history behind the Malay dance. And there are two sections of that, which is actually happening, one in the 13th, 14th century, and one is the more recent one, which is in the early 19th century. So they are just bringing back the same idea of this comedic interpretation of what could actually happen in the palace with all the other uh, servants. So, I mean, it's, it's very relatable to the Malay community. And I think the subtitles didn't justify how we actually felt at that particular moment, speaking in a foreign language that you didn't understand. So, yeah, I think that is one thing that um, the, the whole two scenes was about. 
I think that's really interesting mm-hmm. that it, they took the audience with them to a point, even though most the demographic of the audience was definitely a Malay audience. Yeah. But they didn't subtitle these two sections, which was obviously the most entertaining mm. thing in the whole show. Yeah. And in a way, I mean, I realised I didn't understand it because I didn't speak the language. And at first I thought, oh, I was wondering what it was about. But at the same time, I didn't mind people having an in-joke and obviously everybody just loved it. So yeah. <laughs> it was just in, uh, it was in Malay or did they go into Mandarin or Tamil? Uh, or? It, it was purely in Malay, purely but Malay. the three different actors, they picked on three different distinct races in Singapore, but they say in the Malay uh, language. Like for example, there's one actor, he said, the lines, the improvisation lines in the Chinese accent and there's another one who said in an um, Indian accent. So I think that's how they're trying to put things together in line with uh, Singapore's culture of the four races. Yeah, so yeah. do you think the overall, it was a very long show, it was, mm. it was a massive cast, so obviously there were a lot of family members there and supporters of the artists on stage. So, But do you think there was a sense that people really enjoyed this show? Yeah, I think majority of the audience enjoyed that show and I actually had the opportunity to talk to the dancers from the Malay community. So there were actually two spectrums of dancers who had different opinions of the show. Uh, one was actually they say that the show is actually very, very good in terms of aesthetic, in terms of the costumes and the elaboration of the sets and props. Whereas there's another spectrum that said because of the labelling of Malay contemporary, they are just wondering where where is that line of contemporary in the Malay production. So that got me thinking as well because I actually had a chat with an artistic director. His name is Yazid. He did mention to me about contemporizing Malay form where he said that it can actually go towards a certain direction and he has also seen Malay contemporary works where he thought, I think that is not Malay contemporary, but that can actually be creative choreography because of the way their dancers use the spatial patterns and how, you know, like the movements are somewhat different from the traditional form. So, yeah, I think that's what uh, has been in discussion with me and uh, Yazid. And uh, as myself seeing the show, it's not about just pointing your toes. It's not just about doing butt rolls. I think it's more about talking about the culture of both dance forms because Malay dance and contemporary dance, it has its own culture. It has its own strong aesthetic. So when you try and put these two together, you need to actually understand both sides and then see what is it that you actually want to talk about in context with your production. That's that's great. Thank you for all those very insightful comments. I, I think that's really the heart of what we're talking about. What is the cultural connection and mm. why do we want to keep these forms going? Why is it important? And obviously Iridansi thinks it's incredibly important yeah. to keep these forms going and they have very strong connections in Malaysia as well. But it takes us also into our next piece that we looked at, which was Dance Ensemble Singapore, which is known for Chinese traditional dance and yeah. culture as a background. And mm-hmm. they're also working with artists coming in. And there we had a very interesting production along the same lines as what we've just been talking yeah. about. But to me, it was clear that the first piece that was performed called Pulsating a Cry for Equality, mm-hmm. created by South Korean visiting artist Rob Yun-suk, took a completely 
completely different direction from the second half of the program. The second half of the program was very much traditional dance, lots of acrobatics, lots of bright costumes. There was a piece where the dancers were talking about their personal stories as Mm -hmm. dancers. But this first piece could have, I felt, gone into any company repertoire. It really was a global, international piece, even though it did look at a a story of women, the situation of women in China. So how did you think those two things sat together? I think for the two pieces that being put set together, um, it can clearly show the distinct style and signature of two different works. And I think that is also interesting when you put these two distinct works to the Singapore audience where they can actually see one is a different style and a different approach, whereas on the other side is a little bit more narrative. Because if I could remember, the second piece was about a dancer's dream and how they gone through the challenges. And I think it is very relatable to the Singapore audience or the Singapore dancers because for the younger generation, these are the things that they need to go through, you know, or probably they might have gone through. So I think that is very educational. Whereas for the first piece, it is actually very interesting to me because of the way the whole aesthetic of the piece is about. It's very thought-provoking in my point of view. And also is the the layout of the whole piece that is being presented, like how the use of the chairs and the development of the chairs. And I think that is that kind of idea where um, contemporary structure can be where you explore on one certain idea and then you use the choreographic tools to explore the many possibilities of what you can actually put in space. Yeah, I think with that first piece too, it stripped all the affectations away from what we know of Chinese dance, like it was completely non-acrobatic. The dancers had to invest a lot of personal emotion in it rather than learnt emotion that often is embedded in the form. Mm. The costumes were just stripped back to wearing white, simple things and simple row of chairs that, as you said, they moved around in various ways. And I thought that this had a real beauty to that piece that resonated with the audience, but it was also quite confronting in certain aspects as well. And then the second half, we went into the traditional acrobatics, guys throwing flips all the time and women taking small steps in beautiful silk dresses, musicians on stage playing drums. And to me, it was a total split. So I, I don't know if this sort of eclecticism is something that the company wants to continue with Mm -hmm. or if they're moving towards a more contemporary direction. It was like, to me, they couldn't quite decide where they wanted to go. And I think this could be a dilemma for the audience because I did notice that most of the audience, the first one we talked about, Malay audiences, second one, Chinese audience. So including many family groups that obviously went there for the entertainment side Mm. of it. So again, it's pushing the audience in a number of directions. So how do you think that's all going to work? Well, I think pushing the audience to a different set of perspective, I think it has to come from the piece itself, where the piece has to direct the audience or make the audience feel something and then like I think right now most uh, companies have a post-show dialogue at the end where they can actually talk about how do you think about the piece what do you think it's about as for both of the shows for Tomasi and Pulsating Resonance there wasn't any post-show dialogue I think maybe it's because of the nature of the work that it's not necessary to have it but I think from 
uh, the discussion of the audience after the show where they talk about how they feel about the piece, I think that is equally important and necessary. And I think as far as dance showcases are concerned, when the audience are able to at least get a sense of what the choreography is about, I think they have already understood what the direction of the company is actually going towards. And also, my feedback for this piece, for Positive Residence, it doesn't reflect entirely on the company's mission and vision for about 20 years. So probably they might have a different approach for their next production. Yes, so I think this is an interesting question when we talk about identity. So the identity of era dance theatre is very clear, mm-hmm. very clearly stated in Tomasek, whether we we wanted to see more creativity or not. We, yeah. we weren't sort of juggling the basic structure and framework of our expectations of what that company might do. Mm-hmm. But I think, yes, you know, because the dancers there now, they're highly skilled dancers. It could be that the aesthetic of Chinese dance also lends itself more. It's more aligned to Western ballet and contemporary in terms of how you use the body. Yeah. It features, you know, very high extensions, pointed toes, um, quite a range of movement that is very relatable to ballet where you'd say that the uh, Malay dance vocabulary is still very much based on hand gestures and it's close to the ground, it's earthy, rhythms of the zapan are completely different. So I think that could be an element as well in how these two cultural forms work. Yeah, um, I had the opportunity to actually learn the two dance forms when I was involved in SIFA 2015, returning. So... As for Malay dance, there's a little bit of um, very grounded to the floor. And especially when I learned Zapin, it has this history of how the movement was being derived and the footwork, like how you brush it against the sand. And for Chinese dance, there's a little bit of um, circular movements. That's the idea and philosophy of the Chinese dance that I learned. So I think it's more about understanding the dance form and how you want to develop and explore using the mindset of, okay, what can we do with this form? You know, is it necessary for us to flex if you want to contemporize it? So I think it's more about the research, more research for the choreographers or the directors that wants to bring this to another level. But then again, when it's being presented to an audience where if let's say the piece is very abstract, the audience might not understand. They will question, so why are you doing this when actually you have already have a systematic way of presenting your works to the audience because of your a long history of uh, Malay dance and Chinese dance. So I think at this point right now, it's more about the company and the audience, how they can actually, you know, Come together. Come together. Yes. I I think these are very interesting points that are quite polarising in many countries in the region. I mean, what what is traditional dance? What's contemporary? Is there, what are the meeting points? And then we think of people that do this very well, perhaps like someone like Akram Khan, Mm. who brings together Katak dance in contemporary. But he shifts a long way back and forth along the spectrum with his work as well. So I think that when we're looking at the elements of dance, whether it's the formal structure of the training and which is embodied in the dancers or the content. And so we have companies 
in Singapore that are, are working in this way with content, more content focused. So you'd have to say era is more content focused and yeah. they're not playing with the form. Mm. Whereas other companies, perhaps like Maya Dance Theatre and your own group, you're playing with the form of the dance quite a lot. So Yeah, and um, I think to bring back to reference on how I perceive Asian contemporary and what both uh, Sheridan, my partner and myself have been doing is that we are looking at the form, it's like you are shedding a pair of jeans. Like each fiber is essential to make the jeans. So if you want to actually find the essence, you can actually try and shed it as much as you can and find all the different fibers because that is the essence of making the dance form. So I think it's more about you going further and trying to understand what is it that you actually want to say and the essence of how you want to contemporize an Asian form where it's very much rich in history and aesthetic and now you are bringing into contemporary, how are you going to shed these dance forms to that one fiber and you use that for your work? I think that's almost a great point to finish with. But I think on top of all that, it's really about what people want to do and what they want to say. Like some people don't want to deconstruct, they want to preserve and maintain a cultural form and it's a a bit of an issue what is the traditional form anyway. I mean, because dance is ephemeral language, it's passed down, typically Mm. still by teacher to teacher, follow me, I'm facing the mirror, do what I do and that's how we learn. So within that, I mean, it can change dramatically over time as well. But I I think we made, um, there's some very interesting points raised today and thank you very much, Sufi, and all the best with Soul Signature. Thank you.